I think people want to be able to go to the park and not worry about stepping on a fentanyl needle. I think people want to have cops respond and feel like they're taken care of. I think people as a whole want that, but that's not what's sexy. That's not what gets people elected. That's not what gets you, you know, followers on Twitter. People want that controversy because they think that's what the small little TikTok generation wants. And in all reality, we don't. Welcome to Whiskey and Windage, the two-way podcast for the people, by the people. I'm your host, Adam from Silver Bullet, joined along with my co-host, Mike from OCA, and Matt from Burning Powder. Gentlemen, 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 how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing great, Adam. I'm doing great. Matt, what's up with you, bro? Beautiful day. Just happy to be here, fellas. Guys, yeah. we, got, we got a great show. We got Megan McCarthy coming on. But before we get to that, Mike, why don't you go ahead and hit that two-way news? I got you, man. We'll... 2A news, not much is going on uh, that I'm going to talk about, really. The only thing I'm going to touch on is just the shows. So let's go ahead and start at the top. Uh, you got March 23rd. You've got Pew Party 3, the homies Jay and Juan putting that together. It's in Waxahachie, Texas. Um, if you don't have your tickets, go ahead and get them. Uh, they're going fast, and they, um, they've got a general admission ticket for 50 bucks, and then a uh, VIP. Uh, it's a little up there, but just go check it out on their website. Go find jay the shooter on ig or pew culture follow the links the next one we have up is kalash bash um clay's putting it on again with his boys uh that's in eagle lake texas that's going to be april 13th and 14th um i've heard mixed stories right now uh not sure if it's sold out or if it's getting close to being sold out so if that's something you want to go to it's a uh it's an ak crowd with uh, it's kind of like a rave and a concert and a machine gun shoot all in one. Uh, if that's, if that's your cup of tea, definitely go check them out. And the last one is the homies down at Southeastern range day, man. That's in Blakely, yeah, yeah. Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. It's a two day event. There's five or six different instructors going to be there. Um, it's extremely comprehensive. It's a good time. Last year's was great. Heard nothing but positive feedback. Again, that's Blakely, Georgia, and that is May 10th and 11th. So you have a little time, but want to go ahead and put that out there so people can start looking at it. And what I hate about all these are people create IG accounts for them. And right now, Southeastern Range Day 24 has like 200 followers, so it doesn't look legit. But if you go look at the 23 and see what they did, it's it's a good event. So definitely go check those guys out, man. But as far as that goes, dude, that's that's all I have for the 2A news. So uh, I think I'm I'm good here. I, Matt, do you have anything to add? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we to gotta have a toast, boys. It's that time. Let's, let's cue it up. What are we toasting, man? So I'm going to sip on some Noble Oak, Double Oak Rye. It's a gorgeous color. Rye, double oaked in uh, port wine casks, so it's super delicious. That's what I'm drinking. What are you sipping on, Mike? Man, I'm sipping at a, dude, I don't even know. 
It's champagne problems, baby. It's brown liquor. It's out of a machine Hell gun. Yeah. That can't, I can't remember what's in it, so it I'm drinking that. Pour it out of a machine gun. Hell yeah, hell yeah, guys. Guys, you know me, my same old, my same old, 1800, good old Cuervo, or not Cuervo, 1800 um, Blanco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reason we need to call a toast is because there's there's big 2A news. Whiskey and windage, your boys is going to Pew Party, baby. Pew Party 3 in Waxahachie, Texas. Whiskey and windage, all three of us will be there. We got our tickets booked. We got our general admission done, so... Show up. We'll see you there. We're super excited to, to show up to that event. So, oh, yeah. man, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Also, I want to tell you guys, kind of in the 2A news, is uh, we got a new review up. So, Adam just dropped a great review on the CMMG 22 conversion for the AR. Uh, full length re- review. He did a great job. So, make sure y'all get over to Whiskey and windage reviews here on youtube and uh go check out that review hell yeah matt i appreciate that the other thing i was gonna we interrupt our program to bring you this important message so for our two-way spotlight we are welcomed by um megan mccarthy for those of you don't for those of you who don't know megan uh megan why don't you take a little bit of time and explain uh your story well Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate this time to talk to you guys. So I'm pretty boring, honestly. I was born and raised in San Diego. I am a twin. My sister actually works for the same department that I used to. Back in 2016, I went through the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Academy and I became a deputy sheriff. I went through a couple different assignments where I finally landed at Victorville City and I did patrol there. And I love my job. I really adored law enforcement. I thought it was fantastic. And granted, this was, you know, 2017, 18, 19, a little bit of a different world back then. But September 4th of 2019, I was in a critical incident. I was in an officer-involved shooting. And I was pretty badly attacked and beaten and nearly executed. And by the grace of God and a malfunction, my life was spared. So I have been battling mental health challenges the last couple years. We went to trial May of 2023. And despite it being caught on camera, my suspect was acquitted. So California legislation has been something that I never really wanted to be a part of. I was one of those people that wasn't really interested in politics until it directly affected my life. So now I try and advocate for first responder rights, mental health advocacy, victim rights, all those things. Man, that is, it is an unfortunate chain of events that you had to go through and then drag the, you know, the next couple years of your life after that fact. But going back to the beginning, you know, I'm from a law enforcement family. My father, uh, my father is a retired law enforcement officer. My brother-in-law is still active duty. I went through the Academy, uh, realized it was way too political, um, on the inside and it's not what I wanted to do. So I kind of bowed out, but what, made you want to become law enforcement? Well, I'm the first person in my family. My family is from Montana. They're ranchers. They have, you know, cattle and stuff. And my dad's side, he was a businessman, pretty successful in like the tech industry. And Mm -hmm. after high school, I went to school for nursing. I wanted to do, you know, something in the medical field, help people, very cliche, but I did. 
And I went on a ride along one day with one of my friends and I, within like 30 minutes, we had gotten into a pursuit, fell in the T-stop. I mean, it was, it was a hook, you know, I was, oh, yeah. it got me. And so at the end of the ride along, I said, okay, I think this is what I want to do. So I applied for the sheriff's department at that time. I was living in the county and I still do, but this was my home area and I wanted to, you know, work where I lived. Kind of stupid, but that was my thought. So that was the one and only place that I applied for and I got in. So a couple months later, I started my journey and like I said, I loved it. I thought law enforcement was great back then. So you you're from, you know, the ranching kind of farmland you know outdoors was becoming a deputy your first introduction into firearms or had you shot guns before or what was your you no know? that was my first time ever shooting you know back in mm-hmm. I don't know I think I was in middle school my dad bought my sister and I little like BB guns and we would shoot you know like fill up the milk jugs with water and we would shoot them and you know just kind of pretend or you would go like I would go to a bull sale my family had in Montana and the kids would shoot you know coke cans off of the fence but oh yeah actually handling like a real live firearm my first time was in the academy man that's 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 kind of crazy um yeah I was looking at some of the data and the U.S. as a whole is losing first responders left and right um whether it be uh to retirement because those guys are getting old or whether it be the the younger generation saying it's the badge isn't what it used to be or you get the guys that just say hey it's not worth the pay anymore it doesn't matter what city you're in and what your cost of living is all that's adjusted but even then it's just like hey i mean it doesn't matter what you do and i and i say that um you know in all honesty i believe that bad officers also were being fired but with all of that, um, you know, the job just sometimes isn't worth the risk anymore. Um, and while there are bad officers and while those bad officers do need to, you know, face justice, um, you know, we won't get into all of those. But I mean, it's just like any profession, uh, whether it be law enforcement or whether it be stock traders or whether it be, you know, religious people, um, you know, there's the one bad egg always ruins it for everyone. Um, but to me, like, what's your thoughts on the turnover right now? And, um, more specifically, I mean, you know, you've kind of got an inside track. You still hear a little bit of it because the family's involved in law enforcement. But what are your thoughts on that right now, as far as the turnover? Well, my husband works for the same department that I used to. My sister works at the same station that I used to. And, I firmly believe in the belief in law enforcement. I believe obviously, you know, they are the only thing that stands between good and evil. Evil has existed centuries ago. There's nothing that's going to change that. It's not like all of a sudden people are going to stop committing crimes, but the fall of 2020 with the Minneapolis effect that we all saw. And even before then Ferguson 2015, the world really started to shift and people went along with it. And I don't mean like our type of community, because I do believe that the more conservative type of community still backs law enforcement, but the nation as a whole really drank the Kool-Aid and believing that, okay, well, it's not the criminals, actually, it's the cops. And once people started believing in this 
ideology that the culpability exists anywhere else. We see it in our schools. Well, you know what? It's not that our kids are bad. It's the teacher. So get rid of the teacher. It's not that, you know, law enforcement is doing something against it. It's the criminal. We have completely shifted away from good and bad, right and wrong. And I read an article the other day that it is going to take 25 years just to get to the status quo of law enforcement in our country. That's not the extra, you know, sex trafficking or human trafficking or retail theft. That is just to keep the status quo. Mm -hmm. We see, you know, there's completely stations and cities that are absorbed. They don't even have any cops because everybody just up and left. So I think that if we continue to look at this narrative of cops are bad as a whole, like you said, there's bad apples everywhere. I believe, Mm -hmm. you know, if they need to be dealt with then they're dealt with, but that's separate than what's going on. I don't think we can look at this entire picture and say, okay, it's because of one person. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of look at the events leading up like the, reading all of the transcripts, looking through everything. I don't have all the details memorized, but looking at just the details of the events that happened in your situation, um, up until, you know, backup arrived and, you know, another shot was fired. There was no harm. I mean, you, you fought for your life, but that guy was pretty much unharmed. There was nothing going on with him. So that, you know, that, that additional shot, of course, well, it's going to, you know, you, you, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes is my belief, but leading up to that, you know, averaging people salaries for teachers, for law enforcement, for first responders, for everybody. If you break down and it's like, Hey, I'm going to give you the, you know, whatever the going rate in California is per hour for law enforcement, like we'll just say 35 bucks. Like, you know, Hey Megan, thanks for your work on this last hour. Here's $35 for everything. that just happened to you. Like you're, it's not worth it. You're like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, well, and, the, and the scary part about it too, is like, everybody always wants to say, well, I pay your salary. Like my tax dollars go towards you. And I think that is so crazy because yes. Okay. We, you know, contribute towards public safety. Mm-hmm. But like you said, if somebody were to have handed me a check and said, listen, this is going to happen. You're going to have a gun to your head, but it's okay because as a community, that's what you deserve because you're a cop. I think that would completely shift the narrative, not just for cops, but for community members. So now you want to de-incentivize the police to help you because as we've seen over the last couple of years, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you go and help a citizen and all of a sudden, you know, the tide turns a little, you know, poorly, now they're mm-hmm. coming after you for doing your job. And that's exactly what happened to me. I just got my hands on the district attorney's report. It was a 40 page report. They set it out publicly and I found out information two weeks ago that I had never heard before in nearly five years. And right. for that to be uh, the precedent that was kind of set, not just for this County, but I think in a lot of different criminal trials, people wonder why their cops are leaving in droves and then they get mad that they're waiting an hour and a half for a response time. Yeah, well, and I see the point of after this incident happened, And let's just say you stayed on the force. I mean, you did for a while, but let's just say you're still on it to this day. It's one of those things that in your heart of hearts, you feel you did nothing. You did everything correct. And, you know, every nothing, nothing wrong. Um, I'm sure members of 
the, you know, the law enforcement community back that. Um, of course, there's going to be some political ones that say, well, blah, 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 but you know, whatever, but it's something you got to live with. So it, it would be so hard to just continue doing that job because people are like, Hey, aren't you that, you know, so-and-so like, Oh, well, you know, I don't know. It's just tough for me to figure out. And I, and it goes all the way back into California where, you know, in the nineties when they, um, when that one guy was going crazy, I forget where it was, but it was like, he had the fully automatic assault rifles and LAPD was outgunned. And it was just like, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So now all of this, you know, they're having to take guns out of gun stores so they can try and, you know, neutralize a suspect. And it's like, Hey, we never want that to happen again. And did they, did they go a little too far? I don't know. I'm not there. I can't speak, but you know, they beef up their, their training, they beef up their, you know, their, their tools and they're ready to go. And now it seems like they're trying to become soft. You're not even called police officers anymore. You're not called law enforcement. I was looking it up and you're peace officers. And while part of being law enforcement or actually part of being just a good human being is being a peace officer just by, I know it's to, to look different and give a new look for the law enforcement. And, you know, some guy sitting at desk thought that was a great idea. It's if they already go in, if criminals already go in thinking you're there to be peaceful, you're going to have the stuff that's happening all over the news where people just walk through shopping malls and take what they want. And, you know, no repercussions, no one cares. And it, it drives me nuts. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it goes back to kind of what you're speaking on earlier is accountability and culpability has shifted. You know, these criminals know that you can walk into dang near any department store and just walk out and nobody will confront you. I mean, the freaking governor the other day. I saw that. Yeah, he was caught in a Zoom call like, don't blame me. Why do I have to pay for this? Because of your insane policies. So what does that mean for everybody else? It doesn't make, you know, $400,000 a year like the governor does. We still have, right. I went to Target earlier and I spent $200 on two bags of groceries just to feed my kids. And so, you know, I know that's a little off tangent than the whole accountability thing, but I think that the police officers have become so criminalized. There is not anything that a cop can do these days that doesn't make national attention. If you, yeah. if you go to a traffic stop and the person is armed, well, why didn't you tase them? Why didn't you de-escalate? Why didn't you wait? Okay, so then that person drives off and goes, kills an innocent citizen, and then it's the cop's fault because they're derelict in their duties. Like, you're damned mm -hmm. if you do, damned if you don't. And that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is standing up for those rights because, you know, I got torn apart on the stand. Like, for three days, absolutely torn apart for doing my job. Right. If that happened to me, I can't even imagine how many more cops that's happening to that just can't go public because they still have to go and do a job. I was fortunate enough, fortunate, unfortunate, wherever you want to look at it, that I was able to medically retire. And that was just because of, you know, me going through a critical incident. But not like you said, not everybody has the luxury to up and leave California. Not everybody has the luxury to just leave a career. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's medical benefits and health insurance and all of these things for their family. So like we're just so upside down right now. I really, really hope and pray that this year is a, a year to get the pendulum going in the other direction. Cause if not, I don't even know what we're going to do. Yeah. Well, and going that way with the political pendulum, it just kind of stinks. Cause it's like, we need that pendulum 
it's, I don't know when it will, it won't be, it probably won't be our lifetime, but the pendulum needs to stop. But what keeps happening is we keep going far this way and then far that way. And all we're doing is just enraging each other. And I truly think if we could somehow figure out a way to just let everybody in politics, like just take a six month vacation and all go play together somewhere. I think the rest of humanity would, we would actually get along a lot more. Oh, we um, agree on most things. I think yeah. most people agree about 80% of the things we can agree on. It's that, that's that, that there are 20% that just divides us right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think so many things aren't even like red or blue or Democrat or Republican. Yeah. I think they're bipartisan. Like, right. I think people want to send their kids to school and feel comfortable with their education. I think people want to be able to go to the park and not worry about stepping on a fentanyl needle. I think people want to have cops respond and feel like they're taken care of. I think people as a whole want that. But that's not what's sexy. That's not what gets people elected. That's not what gets you, you know, followers on Twitter. People want that controversy because they think that's what the small little TikTok generation wants. And in all reality, we don't. Like I talk yeah. to people every single day and everybody is like, how do we fix this? Like, I don't want my kids to grow up like this. This is not the country I want to leave for them. Like, how sad. Yeah, well, it it's interesting because you said this is not the country. I mean, all of our kids and, you know, every kid is, should be afforded a good education. And on top of that, I'll, I'll even go a step further. Every kid should feel safe in their school learning, but it's all in perspective. And what I mean by that is everyone hands down, it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody can agree. We don't need to have another school shooting. We don't need one. And, but they want to come and take the guns and they want to, you know, the, the, the advocates want to take all that stuff and, you know, they have their right to their opinion. But I remember it was after I got out of high school, but I started hearing stories about how high schools were putting metal detectors in schools and people were so, you know, up in arms about, Oh my gosh, why are they having to put metal detectors in these schools? But Everyone didn't have a problem with that after about, oh, I don't know, a couple months, the first the first year of school. No one cared anymore. It was like, okay, that's cool. Like, we would much rather have these metal detectors in the school so that kids can't bring weapons, kid, you know, can't do anything. So, like, we're good with that. And it died down. I don't see the big deal about putting not just, you know, and I say this jokingly because it'd be like a great job for my dad, like, not some old head cop that retired and he's going to be, you know, the, the safety officer, like put someone who put someone who is of age, who is still in somewhat kind of shape, um, who truly wants to be there to protect the kids, put someone there. And yeah, it's terrible. You have to put an armed officer or an armed guard or someone at a school. It's terrible. But if, everyone would do it. The soft target would kind of go away and the incidents would go less and less and less. But I think that the other side, they, no one wants the loss of life, but it gives them that pedestal to stand on, to try to take more than what's actually needed to, you know, to be changed. Exactly. I was a school resource officer. So I was in charge of six elementary schools and I had very, 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 very good interactions with the parents, with the faculty, with the students. They felt better when I was there. And, you know, deterrence is the number one thing. They sell Narcan at Target now. Why? 
because it's a problem. So if we look at school shootings and we say, okay, these are soft targets. They're in every single zip code. They're very easy to go get a mass amount of people. What's worse than killing kids? Nothing. So these people know that. So that's what they attack because they think it's going to make them the next, you know, celebrity. I would go and I would bounce from school to school and I would sometimes just park out front and, you know, whether it's just luck or because we were fortunate enough, we never had one incident. We never had one incident mm -hmm. with parents. Everybody minded their P's and Q's. Granted, this was, you know, before 2020 happened. But I think that every single city should have a grant to have an armed officer there. I do. I think that the kids deserve it. The faculty deserve it just for the peace of mind. I mean, my mm -hmm. daughter, she is in fourth grade and there is a officer that sits at her school all day long and I love it. I love it. Does that mean that something may or may not happen? Maybe we don't know, but just the fact that if somebody comes and they see this, then it's going to be a deterrence because they know that person's armed. So I don't, like you said, I don't understand what the problem is with having armed people to protect our kids. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. No one thinks twice about it when we used to walk through shopping malls and see the armed security guard sitting at the door of every entrance. Like he wasn't, you know, most of the time he was playing on his phone, but you know what? He was, he was there. And it's, it's just the fact of being there is a deterrent or partially a deterrent. Um, so I'm definitely with you there. My last question before I turn it over to Matt, I want to ask you about um, the new, I don't know. I want to say it's a, the rules about law enforcement. I saw oh God, where this is so yeah. bad. This is so bad. So, well, I don't know if it's bad or not. I'm I'm kind of torn both ways, but I want to hear from someone who's actually living in California. So, looking at 2023, I saw where if you're eligible to have a work visa, um, if you're a citizen, you're a citizen. But if you're eligible to have a work visa, then you are allowed to become law enforcement. And I was reading this and I was, I was looking at it and saying like, man, like green cards, work visas, you can be an officer. Like if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But it's, it's, it's just crazy to me that first off there's such uh there's an abundance of people in California, but you can't find anybody who wants to actually protect that state, uh, which is the first red flag uh, for everyone in politics there. But the second thing is it's like, man, not that immigrants, not that Hispanics, not that any color, race, creed is bottom of the barrel. What I mean is I don't care if it was from Mexico, Canada, um, France, Australia, whatever. Doesn't matter what nationality or credo you are. If if you're coming here and it's like, yeah, you got a work visa. Hey, you want to wear this badge and this gun and like uphold our country's laws? Like that's crazy to me. No, I think the whole idea behind this is completely asinine and it is going to come back and bite us in the butt. This is the main thing I have a problem with. These are individuals. If you want to come here for a legitimate, better life, then do it the right way. But sneaking through and taking, you know, thousands and thousands of taxpayer dollars, getting free housing, free medical. When I try and make a doctor appointment and I have to wait five months, sometimes I don't even get one. I just have to sit, you know, I've had a sinus infection. I can't even get in to see my doctor. So I'm just, you know, hoping my homeopathic stuff works. But we had people fired for not getting a COVID vaccine. We had law enforcement, we had firefighters, we had, you know, medical professionals that said, you're not willing to get a jab, well, then you're out of a job. But if you come here illegally, you're able to uphold, uphold our constitution, go arrest American citizens when you're not even one yourself. I look at it as we're like incentivizing espionage. 
you're you have no allegiance to our country you have no allegiance <laughs> he i love it he's fired up he's fired yeah, he's up mad too. Saying, he's like this is, i'm gonna live here one day and have to deal with this like yeah, let's go people right he's you're like look, right. I, I look at it as like we are incentivizing espionage because why yeah. would we give them our tools our tactics the way to come in and now you're a part of our departments when what if something happens and you're deported you're going to take all of that back to whatever country you actually pledge allegiance to so i yeah. think the whole idea is so wrong i think legally it is wrong we've changed the california constitution so now they can take their weapons home i don't i just don't think this is going to be a good idea for anybody well it's always it's always <laughs> the um you know the it's always the temptation thing it's the you know, Hey, leave some, leave some, you know, cookies out for your, for your, for your kid and walk away and see what they do. Um, I think that if you're here illegally, there's no way to tell, um, you know, all you can do is interview, but it's hard to do a background check on, on a U.S. citizen. I mean, I've, I had them come in and knock on the neighbor's doors, ask about how I was, what my character was, call friends and family. When you can't do that for potential hires, how do you know that these guys aren't, you know, and I say like, here's the conspiracy theory. How do you know they're not working for the cartel? How do you know they're not going to help turn the blind eye? I'm not saying that all Hispanics are in the cartel and everyone's bad. I'm just saying, how can you tell? So, um, Megan, we all know that you are a big, also a big voice for women's empowerment, not just not just law enforcement, but women in general, and are a big advocate for women being able to have the skills and the legal rights to defend themselves. Um, I came across a really interesting statistic. Uh, according to a survey, in 2022, men were more likely than women to either personally own a gun or live in a gun-owning household at this time, 46% of American men personally own a firearm and only 20% of women own a firearm. And that's from statista.com. Um, in your opinion, what needs to happen nationwide uh, to help women become a bigger part of the 2A community and get more women training, owning, and, and carrying firearms? I think it comes down to just advocacy and awareness. I think the, you know, 2A community and the gun owning community has primarily always been dominated by males. It's kind of like the military or law enforcement. That's just kind of the way that we were all raised, right? Like the men go off to war and the women stay home. So we haven't really felt like there's a need to have a gun because we rely on our husband or our spouse or our counterpart, which is fine, which is great. But what happens when they're not there? So I believe that, you know, women just need to feel empowered to be in that space as well. And the more people, the more women that we have showing them, whether it's through training classes or just, you know, time at the range or even self-defense type stuff, I think people just need to feel comfortable getting out of their comfort zones because that's the only time that you really grow. Yeah. I know I obviously didn't come from a huge gun owning community or family, but once I started shooting, I dry fire five nights a week with my husband and we do shooting competitions. And although, you know, I'm not actively in the need for it, 
I don't want to come across the time where I do need it. And now I can't pick up my yeah. sights or I can't find, like, I forgot how to reload. Like the reason why you do this stuff is because it's not natural. So that is why I show myself dry firing or doing competitions because it is really male dominated. And I don't think it has to be. I think everybody should participate in their second amendment. Right. Amen. So Hell playing yeah. off that same, that same thing, like from your perspective, how can we, the three of us, um, or men in the community who also see like, Hey, this needs to be needs to, it's something for everyone, not just, not just men. How can we as community members, as husbands, as fathers, what can we do to help be more welcoming and make it a more comfortable environment? I think, you know, the word inclusive has been completely abolished the last couple of years, but <laughs> I really do think that if we can just be more open, like if we're going to go to the range, invite your spouse along, say, Hey, by the way, if you're sitting watching Netflix one night, grab the gun, show them how to reload, show them how to load a magazine. How do you find your dot? How do you turn the dot on how to find your sites? If you're not on a red dot yet or whatever, you know, just having the conversation, because I think one of the things that we run into is, when you're in law enforcement, you have to be privy to guns because it's part of your job. But then you come home and your spouse is like, well, what'd you do today? Why not include them in your training? If you're going to go spend a Friday afternoon, you know, in the desert or at the range, take your spouse. I think we need to have more, and I hate to make it like gender specific, but mm -hmm. if more companies can offer women classes, I see so many like fundamental pistol and, you know, pistol rifle combination if we can just say like okay one class is going to be for women i bet you hundreds of people would show up because women are intimidated you know as a woman yeah. i was intimidated to go to classes because i knew i'd be the only one there i went to a competition with my husband a couple weeks ago and i was the only female there so if we can just open it up to say mm -hmm. At least until you're comfortable, we'll do a women only. So you don't have to worry about, you know, the recoil coming back and popping you in the nose. Like we've all been there, but just have it. So there's that option for people to feel welcomed. I was going to say a shout out oh, yeah. to the local range near me. Um, they have on Wednesday nights. It's uh it's ladies night. So it's, it's interesting because every other ladies night, one is an introduction. And then the next one is kind of more of advanced but, uh, you know, if you're advanced, you can still go to the intro stuff, but it's to always alternates just so the new female shooters can come in there and feel comfortable. And it's every Wednesday. So it's like, Hey, everybody get out there and go shoot, get comfortable. And then afterwards, I think they go to the local pizza place and have some beer and some pizza. So it's like, Hey, like build that community up, which I think is great. I think sure. there's a really big misconception when it comes to the second amendment, right? I think people forget that it's for everybody. It's not just for those in the military or those who have a background. It genuinely is for every single person. So even if you're a stay at home mom or, you know, your husband works at Wells Fargo, you still are able to exercise your right and you still should be protected. I mean, we're seeing such a big influx with home invasion robberies or, you know, pushing your kids to go to a grocery store and somebody comes and snatches your purse. Well, I don't know if everybody should conceal carry like in their abdomen or whatever, but if you at least are prepared to defend yourself, then you have a less chance of being victimized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw, I remember that video that came out in the summer where the guy was uh, being robbed in California and he came out and defended his house and shot at the guy. And then it turns out that he got arrested for negligent discharge and got arrested for, 
having the gun and all this other stuff. And it's like, man, like you people can't even protect your houses. I hate that for y'all. That's ridiculous. Like I said, the culpability is anywhere, but the criminal. It's like you, you can't, you know, I would rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. I obviously was, and the court did not go in my favor, but I will never apologize for defending myself or defending my home. And I don't think anybody should either. Good. Mm -hmm. 100%. So my last question, you're also, I mean, you're pretty outspoken about uh, a lot of the laws and the lawmakers in your state of California. And I think that most of the nation knows about the mass exodus in recent years from California, both civilians, law enforcement, um, as the state's restriction uh, taxes and crime, all of them are just on a skyrocket. So, we, I mean, we touched on it earlier talking about leaving, but you've decided, at least for now, to stay there and, and fight against that. So short term, I guess, what would you like to see change to get the ball rolling in the right direction to help protect California citizens and empower their law enforcement to do the best job possible. Yeah, I think, you know, realistically, my husband and I would love to take our kids and get out of here and go to a safer state somewhere that actually believes in its people and puts its people first. But it's not that easy, especially when yeah. my, my husband has 11 years vested in the department. You know, we're almost at that point of being close enough to retirement, but not quite yet. And I hate to say that finances are that important because I think quality yeah. of life trumps it. But we also have to be realistic. So got to pay your bills. Right. You know, unfortunately, that's just that's just the way it is. And what I'm you know, trying to be proactive is if I'm going to be here, then I'm at least going to fight. So I think the number one thing that people need to be aware of is primaries are coming up within the next couple of weeks. And that really is going to show the tide of where the people truly stand. I think one thing that I will dog on the conservative community is. We make a lot of noise, but when it's time to do something, we're we're not really anywhere to be found. And I think that has to change if we really want to see a change. I know Kevin Kiley, he just released an initiative to repeal Prop 47, which I think would be beautiful. He's already received enough signatures to get it on the ballot in November. But if people don't get out and do something about it instead of just making reels and content, then why are we <laughs> even complaining? And right. I right. think, you know, obviously, I, I make content. I put it out there because whether two people watch it or 2000 people watch it, it's better than me sitting by on my thumbs. So I think just being aware of what's truly coming out, you know, proposition one, I just posted about that. I talked to my mom this morning and she's like, I think that's a good idea. I'm like, mom, no, watch my video. She's like, I had no idea. It doesn't say any of that. I'm like, I know that's the problem. We have to be proactive. And I think, you know, partnering up with your local canvassing opportunities to go knock on doors, you know, let people know who's running because we have a huge mountain to climb with the advertising. They have millions and millions of dollars to put out all these yeah. communities. So people sit by and they watch and they're like, okay, yes, yes, yes. They don't actually do research. Yeah. I, I remember think, that guy's name on the side. Well, yeah, we'll use him. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a lot of billboards. He looks like a good guy. No, that's how we got stuck with George Gascon and Newsom. Like, let's not make the yeah. tapes. <laughs> Just because I have greased back hair doesn't mean they're a good idea. But he's so handsome. God, I don't think so. I don't know what the ladies see, but whatever. But I think just really being proactive. And at the end of the month, I'm going to a local college and I'm speaking with Turning Point USA to talk to some college kids about, 
you know, we're not going to get into the weeds of politics, but just, you know, about how important it is to actually exercise your right to vote. And we don't need to go back in history. We need to actually go forwards and, you know, just trying to do what you can. Awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Megan, I want to also talk about something you, you mentioned about leaving California being hard. From my understanding, if you own a home and you try to sell your house and leave California, there's also this massive hefty tax that gets you on the way out, which stops people from leaving as well, correct? Yeah, I don't really know too much about that. I think that that is more of like, they call it like a mansion tax and that's for a specific bracket. Mm-hmm. Our housing community doesn't fall in that tax because we're not uh, in a specific zip code, which is fine. But one of the things that really sucks about being stuck here is say we were to try and just leave to a border state like Arizona, Nevada, one of those, you still get California taxed even if you live in a different state. So like my retirement is tax free because it's medically, it's industrial related. But if my husband were to try and leave on just a straight retirement and go to a different career path, he would still pay California tax. Mm -hmm. I just filed our taxes last week and we actually owe money to the government and I'm still waiting. I'm like, I cannot send this check because I know where it's going and it's not going to our schools and roads. Like let's not. Yeah. So it's hard because tough one to write. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to give money to this. Like, come on. Before, before Adam jumps into his questions about, uh, what he's getting into with uh, social media and the mental health and all that. I do want to commend you. Um, watching all of your stories, watching all of your posts. Um, some people can think, oh, it's for clicks. Some people can think, oh, look, she's just trying. You put, you put yourself out there in a very vulnerable way when you're having your bad days. And I think that, a, I hate that they happen. Uh, first off, no one can control mental health. I mean, you, you can try, but it, you know, uh, for the longest time, my wife suffered from anxiety and I didn't understand why. And then one day I got anxiety when I was like, Oh, you just can't turn that off. Like, yeah, I don't get it. And I do want to commend you because I think that by doing what you're doing, um, you're allowing people to kind of let their guard down and say, Hey, uh, no matter what degree, whether it's just a minuscule amount of anxiety or it's just, you know, earth moving, you know, crippling, um, you're given hope. So I, I do want to commend you on that. And by showing you at your most vulnerable, I think it is a, uh, I think it's an example for everyone who follows you and everyone who suffers from that. If they, if they can find you and see what you're about, um, it's comforting. So I just do want to say thank you for that. Thank you. Amen. That's really nice. Yeah. And well, also, I mean, yeah. How it's... many people want, I mean, seriously, sorry, Adam, how many people want to show themselves? Let's just film myself crying in the car, you know, like, and I, and my joke is with me is like, Oh yeah, if I'm sad, like, Oh, I'm just going to like ugly face cry. And so like how, how many people are brave enough to put that out there? Most people want to hide that away. And by you showing it, yeah, I'm sure you're going to get the trolls that say, oh, look, she's just doing this. And I, and I, whatever, but you can tell that that's not it, but you're showing that it's part of life and you're showing that it's a natural thing. And so, uh, I mean, I'm serious. That's a, uh, that's a big step. People, people don't show those emotions much anymore. And so it's important to do so. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I remember when I was in the depths of my mental health back in, you know, 2019, 2020, 2021. And one of the things that I struggled with so hard was 
I felt like I was the only person on earth that has ever felt this way and nobody else would ever understand me. And I felt like I was on an Island and I remember feeling so despaired. Like I go to therapy four or five days a week. I'm doing all of the things like what is wrong with me? I see my partners going back to work. Like, why can't I? So then I, I'll be honest, my outlet was social media. I went to look for people to humanize me as being a mom and a person and I couldn't find it. And not to say it doesn't exist. I just maybe was looking in the wrong places. So I said, okay, well, when my time comes to be that person, I have to be authentic because yeah, maybe I post videos where I have, you know, my makeup on and I look like I'm having a good day. But if I don't show the other side of mental health, then how am I actually advocating for what I believe in? So that is why I show, you know, both sides because I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, oh, well, she has PTSD, but she looks fine. Well, you know, you can't see mental health. So that's just one of the reasons why I'm so raw and real about it is because I know that there's other people out there that feel like I did. That's, yeah, well. and that's huge. That's huge. Uh, so with that being said, and you nailed it, you, you are filling a void right now, I think, for mental health, for speaking out on certain rights. At the end of this year, what do you want to look back on and say, this is, this is the message I wanted to get through. Like if you could like hit your goal, like what message this year do you want to convey and try to get through to not just females, but like everyone about mental health, about just everything that you're advocating for. Like, what is your, what is your goal this year? Oh man, I don't even know if I have one. I have so many things on my mood board. I think the main thing, if I would have to pick one is just normalizing it. You know, I have a sinus infection and people are like, oh, don't, you know, sneeze on me. It's not a big deal. Or if, you know, I were to break my leg, you just get a cast and nobody looks at you sideways. But if you say, yeah, I have depression and I have trauma, then they're like, oh, well, you're the black sheep. Like, I don't know what to talk about to you. So I'm just not going to talk to you. And then it perpetuates the cycle. And then now somebody is feeling like even worse for having something that they can't control because the brain is going to do brain things. We cannot control what happens to our prefrontal cortex. We cannot control what happens to our hippocampus. We cannot control the way that our brain processes things. The minute you do, that's why people self-medicate. That's why people get hooked on prescription pills and, you know, unhealthy behaviors because they're trying to control something that you can't. And until you realize that there are better methods, but it's not linear. I think I just posted something about this the other day that you could have an amazing five weeks and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're paralyzed. Well, that's part of the process. But if we normalize having hard days, we normalize anxiety and depression and not make it this big elephant in the room, then I think people will be willing to have help. On the flip side, I think back to the culpability thing, Nobody is a criminal without having mental health. Everybody is schizophrenic. Everybody is bipolar. Everybody has something that causes them to be the way they are. Not to take away from people that have legitimate illnesses like that. But mm-hmm. when I was going through my treatment, I would read headlines of people that you know killed someone and they were placed into a mental hospital because they had PTSD from wartime. Okay, well then how am I comfortable to say that I have PTSD because I don't want people to look at me like that. So we're really fighting this uphill battle of making people know that you can get help and that there is post-traumatic growth after it. I think Mm. you're spot on. And also I think that's, that's the biggest problem I think we have in this country. You know, we talk about, we have a gun problem, all the liberals primarily in the left talk about gun problems. We talk about these mass shootings and you know, we didn't have these before. Well, 
Correct. We didn't have as many, but I don't think we have a gun problem. I've said this many times before, Megan. I personally think we have a mental health crisis. That's our issue. It's not a gun problem. And if you look at the amount of gun laws they're trying to propose, but you look at the mental health care in the last 20 years, mental health care has dramatically went down, but we're trying to take guns away. Like we're, we're, we're literally looking at a an issue that's not the problem. The problem really is the mental health care, and it sucks. How do we get back to like – treating mental health like what's what's our solution like how are we and because it's not a california problem this is a like nation problem yeah well i may not get a lot of happy faces for this one but i think we need to bring back mental hospitals if you look at the accumulation of high crime and closing down mental health facilities they are exactly perpendicular to each other they run in the exact same lane not to say we need to bring back lobotomies and putting people in straitjackets, yeah. but there is a population that is in prison or is homeless that need the therapy. They need the resources that those mental health facilities gave them. So when everybody came along and said, oh, no, we need to shut them down. They're all bad. Like, how are we doing this to people? You actually just criminalized a non-criminal behavior. And I do think that obviously we have a drug problem. We have a lot of other issues going on. But like you said, the problem isn't the guns. It's not the knives. It's not the cars. It is the lack of help for our community. And I think a lot of people struggle with mental health, but they're not willing to accept it because like you said, they don't have the help. There's no way to get it. And when they reach out for it, I talked to somebody the other day, he was a green beret, very decorated, gave his life to the military. He's been waiting seven months for an appointment with the VA, seven months. I mean, how can you feel comfortable going and sacrificing your life for a position such as that when you come out of it and you're like, Hey, I need to talk to someone. And they're like, Oh no, we can't help you. Hang on for seven months. Yeah. yeah it's tough. I mean, the VA is yeah. tough. I think it's across the board, not just the VA. It's like mental health care itself has dramatically went down. I personally think it's planned. I think it's not an accident. In my opinion, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but I purposely think it's, it's an overall plan and it's, it's a way to control the masses. It's a way to scare people and allow the crazies to go, to, for lack of a better term, allow the crazies to be run wild and scare people into getting into giving up their freedoms. Well, and to give everybody else drugs. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, you look at it and they say, you know, let's take your guns. You know, how many, how many more kids is it going to take to be enough? And that's like a battle cry. And we can all look and say, Hey, no more kids is enough. Like we don't want any more kids being hurt by gun violence. Yeah, but on that hand, same token, how many is enough but, for mental but health? If, but if you switch it the other way and you say, how many, how many mental health illnesses, uh, extreme cases, how many of those are enough? And but you hear crickets at the end of that. No one wants to answer that question. Whether you're whether you're the left or the right, no one wants to touch that question because it's taboo because the moment they admit that, you know, just like when you said they shut down all of the facilities back in the eighties, Reagan shut them down and he shut them down for the same things we just talked about earlier. There's bad eggs everywhere. And were there negligent caregivers? Absolutely. Um, just like there's, you know, there's negligent nurses and doctors operating now. Um, for, for healthcare. So it's, it's, it, it, it's, it comes back full circle again. It's the, yeah, you're, you're, you're damning the entire mental health, you know, situation across the United States because of some bad things. But if they admit that 
yeah, we need it, then I think it's also an admission that they've been wrong for the past 20 years, 30 years. I'll tell you firsthand, when I went through my shooting and I immediately sought out therapists, you know, part of the department protocol is you have to speak to someone, which is fine. And I agree with that, but not all therapists understand trauma and critical incidents. So I ended up finding somebody who was specialized in that, not to take away from marriage and family therapists, but it's just a different ball game. It's like, I wouldn't want a brain surgeon operating, you know, if I had a broken leg, it's no, no issue to them. But after I had 250 hours of therapy, the County decided to cancel my benefits. And I was in the very middle of my therapy. I felt like I was finally getting like a breakthrough and I get a letter in the mail and it's like, you've exhausted your benefits. Thanks. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like I, I still need help. No, nope, sorry. So when I go to Kaiser, my personal insurance and they're like, well, it's work related. You need to go to workman's comp. Well, workman's comp wouldn't talk to me. So I had to hire an attorney and I had to spend five figures of my own money just to get medical benefits. So I think that there is a battle for everyone across the board. And mm -hmm. one of the things that they wanted to do is every 30 days, I would get five pill bottles in the mail, like repeat, just pills after pills, one for, for blood pressure, one for sleeping, one for anxiety, one for depression, one for this. All they wanted me to do is keep taking these meds, but they didn't want Take me to pills. talk to someone. So, you know, it's, it's really sad. I obviously advocate for victims rights and, you know, first responders, but it's so much more than that. Like Adam was saying, like, this is, this is a problem that affects everybody because unfortunately, especially in this day and age, there's a high probability that you will become the victim of a crime, whether it's hopefully nothing as traumatic as mine, but whether it's credit card theft or somebody exploits you with all of this crazy stuff with AI, there is a chance that at some point in your life, you'll become victimized. And if you don't have the proper resources to get help, to go back to feeling safe and comfortable, then it's this doom loop that we're never going to get out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw that the other day, just speaking of getting in trouble with AI, just the other day, like amazingly enough, Twitter could shut everything down and they shut search engines off over Taylor Swift because someone came out with some AI photos of her that looked exactly like her and they were adult image and basically someone reached out and said some someone from her camp reached out to their camp and said hey these are not her this that and the other you couldn't even search for her anymore on you couldn't even type her name in and get a result they completely wiped her off of x for a time and so it's you're you're exactly right people just um people just you know you it's going to happen. You just have to know how to pick up the pieces and move forward. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Megan, I mean, you obviously have a voice now. I mean, I primarily you're on um, Instagram. I know you do it a, a little bit of other social media. Have you thought about pushing that envelope a little further and like maybe starting your own podcast? I know you're doing turning point, but maybe starting your own podcast. Yeah. It's actually something that was my January 1st goal. I made like this cool little video and I was like, it's happening. And then here we are almost the middle of February and I still haven't done it, but Oh no, my light just died. Oops. Hey, Hey, <laughs> it's going to die. Um, but yeah, I would love to do something to kind of rein in and talk about, Oh my gosh. Well, there goes that. Still looks fine. Yeah. Sorry, guys. This is just a bad day. No, you're good. So, yeah. Welcome to the world of podcasting. <laughs> yes. Oh, there we go. That's another reason why I need to wait. But it's 
yeah, it's one of those things that I need to do it so I can, you know, talk about the different things that I want to speak about and just, you know, connect with some people in, in my little community and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, God willing, I can get that going here soon. Well, I yeah, mean, I, look, we got plenty of people that can reach out, reach out to us. We can give you some, like, we're, we're still rookies in the game, but we are, we're learning as we go. So any, any questions about podcasting or what we've done, we're more than willing to share with you as well. I need cool backgrounds yeah. like you guys. You're all like neon and cool. And I have like a little <laughs> Hobby Lobby flag. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, we're still like trapped, you know, we're dudes. We're still trapped in like being 22 in a, yeah. you know, in like a, in a frat This is house. mostly made out of duct tape. Yeah, this is my this is my living room, my apartment because I'm a single guy. Oh, so like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. consumes yeah. our lives. Yes, yeah. something else. I don't know. I I noticed a core. I saw that uh, you guys kind of follow each other. We're also really good friends with um, the guys over on Antihero Podcast. Who Antihero is um, our buddy Tyler and our buddy Brent Tucker, and they talk a lot about the first responders and they are all yeah. about supporting first responders. And, you know, if, you know, if, if it turns out that you guys, you know, you're like, Hey, I like those guys that, you know, I kind of align with those guys because they're all about helping first responders. Um, you know, we can, you know, I know you, you're a big girl, you can do what you need to do, but you know, they're, they're a great, they're a great Good group resource. when it comes to supporting first responders and they have a big, they have a big family of first responders that follow them. So it's, yeah. it's really great. And I think you do great at podcasting too. Well, thank you. I it's, it, it's therapeutic, you know, in your case where you're talking about your incident and mental health, just vocalizing it is therapeutic. Just like yeah. what we talk about is therapeutic to us. Otherwise our brains just won't stop working uh, over time. So I think it's a, it's a great outlet. Yeah. yeah. And you get a little bit longer for very you get a little bit longer format to to express complete ideas, not just a minute and a half on on Instagram. So yeah, very yeah, cool, well, very cool. Um, Megan, I'll be honest, I'm excited for the turning point to hear that. But um, with that being said, in the far future, have you thought of, with your voice and being passionate about and I think you would do well personally. Have you ever thought about doing any kind of political office, even like a local political office running for anything? You know, I've thought about it and that is something I would be interested in. I think, I don't think we need politicians anymore. I think personally, I think they're out of touch. They're not connected into the community anymore. And I think we need citizens that are in the trenches in the public school system in the inflation system in the first responder i think we need people and i think you know i don't think it's just me i think there's plenty of other people out there that would do great in office but it is something i would be interested in obviously i'm a little late for this cycle so i'm supporting a lot of my friends that are running nick wilson 8053 you know cc truman she's running for congress christina pascucci she's running for senate there's some amazing people out there on the ballot that's just california i can't speak for anybody else but you know there are incredible people out there so if the timing is right then We'll see what happens. I'm going to Sacramento I mean, at the end of the month. So fingers very crossed. Very cool. Very cool. I think Congresswoman McCarthy sounds pretty cool. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Governor I mean, McCarthy. Governor oh, man. McCarthy. Ooh. We'd have to get her some we'd have to get her some hair gel so she can slide it back. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is, is when I first went public, people were like, Oh, you're related to Kevin McCarthy. I love him. And I'm like, No, I'm not related to the speaker, but thanks. 
<laughs> so is your twin, speaking of relation, you said you're a twin. Is your twin um, identical or not? No, we're fraternal. We look nothing alike. She's okay. like four inches shorter than me, brown hair, brown eyes. Well, I was just going to laugh because it was like, man, both of you, both of you law enforcement, both of you on the same force. And it's just like, wait, I just saw that cop go that way. And that, that yeah. this is weird. So that would out of you guys, if that was the case, you should have partnered up to like to a traffic stop. That would have just completely mind screwed somebody. I like, know. I'm like, partners on a traffic stop. <laughs> super trooper style. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm obviously, you know, I can't really control what happened in September of 2019, but my sister went through the Academy January of 2020. And part of me is like, dang, I wish we would have been able to like team up and work together. That would have been so cool. But Charlie's angels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure their department would have loved that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, we're almost out of time. So, Megan, I first and foremost want to thank you for coming on the podcast, sure. but also want to leave uh, the ending up to you. I want you to be able to plug or any final statements you have or want to talk about. Well, thank you guys for having me and for allowing me to come on and, and speak about some things. I only have Instagram, really. I have X or Twitter, but I have like three followers because I don't really know how to use it. So, hey, us too. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to connect on Instagram, I always say this and I mean it wholeheartedly. Nobody ever has to feel alone in any walk of life, whether you're a stay at home mom or you bag groceries, nobody ever needs to feel like they're in the trenches by themselves. So please reach out to me. Sure. I honestly get hundreds of messages every day and I wake up at 5am and before my kids wake up, I go through my messages and I respond to every single person. And if I can't point you in the right direction, I guarantee without a doubt, I have somebody in my resource toolkit that I will find for you. So I am obviously very outspoken on first responder and victim rights. But with that being said, I also believe that there's a place for everyone. So I know that sounds really cliche, but if you don't want to talk to me, I'll find somebody that you want to talk to. That's awesome. awesome. And what is your Instagram exactly? You want to tell us people what, what, what is your exact Instagram name? Yeah, it's just Megan McCarthy with two underscores at the end. Perfect. 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 Well, Megan, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Sure. Um, that's all I got, gentlemen. You guys got anything? No, just thank you so much for coming on and definitely keep in touch with us. We want to uh, we want to follow you on your journey and uh, let us know when the podcast comes out. I can't wait. I want to watch it. I want to see what's going on, see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. I got to get a better working light first and then we'll go that route. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Great show. We want to thank very much Megan McCarthy for coming by taking the time out of her day to uh, stop in and chat with us. If you guys don't follow Megan, uh, go ahead and check the description down below. We will link her Instagram. Most of her content is done uh, through Instagram, but she's a, a great advocate, a big, powerful voice for first responders, for uh, women in the, in the 2A industry. So go over there, show her some love, and uh, we want to thank her again for stopping in. If you made it this far, we also want to thank you guys. Drop us a like. We appreciate the comments down below. We love interacting with you guys. And uh, I think that about wraps it up for us, boys. If you guys don't have anything else uh, to add to that, I think we get out of here. It's been a great show. We'll see you guys next time. Like, subscribe, and share. We'll catch you later.